Scanning. Identity authorized. Welcome to the Secret Superhero Club Podcast Network. This week on the Animation Station, we're joined by Cloud City Cast and Jared Mariama from the Squared Code Podcast to talk about Studio Panak's first ever film, Mary and the Witch's Flower. Now, this is a spoiler-heavy episode, so if you haven't seen the movie, we'll go see it. What are you doing? Uh, all right, Josh, what are we doing here, dude? You want to kick it off? Do I want to kick it off? Yeah. I mean, I can kick it off with Welcome to the Animation Station Podcast Episode 186. Correct. Yes. My name is Josh. I'm Gavin. And today we're joined by uh, a very special guest, Mr. Jared Mariama. How you doing, hey, Jared? Hey, good to be here. I'm glad you guys finally scraped enough money together uh, to <laughs> afford to have me on the show. Yes, and not and not whole... Liam playing me on the show. That's nice. <laughs> uh, we also have another special guest, Brittany DeCosmo from Cloud City Cast. Hello, everyone. And Remy DeCosmo from Cloud City Cast. <laughs> Remy, say something. <laughs> he literally just gave you <laughs> like a death gets. stare. He's like, I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna let my father you, take this. You one. can't ask Remy <laughs> to do anything. He does quite the opposite. Right. Yeah. Right. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking... Oh, come on now, Josh. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then Liam's here. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm here, too. <laughs> You're friends, too. I'm friends. Welcome, Liam. I'm friends, Welcome, too. Liam. Thank you. I'm friends, too. <laughs> and on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Studio Panak's first ever animated film, Mary and the Witch's Flower. So, Gavin... Yes. How did you hear about this movie? I heard about this movie from a very educational post on the Animation Station <laughs> podcast Instagram feed. Uh, this one came out. I was blindsided by so, this one. So, you heard about it on Instagram? Yeah. Where did you hear about it from? On the Animation Station podcast uh, Instagram. No, I actually plug it to the uh, Animation Station podcast. At Animation Station. What are you saying? God, you suck at this, man. <laughs> Everybody knows there's an at in front of it. Yeah, and maybe not. People don't okay. on Instagram. I don't. It's on my first time. Animation Station Podcast Instagram. What I was saying is this one really came out of the blue for me. I had no idea that this one was on the horizon. And uh, as soon as you put up that post, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in. Uh, anything anything like that that I can do, um, I'm always excited about. How did you guys hear about it? Jared, oh, I get to go. I was, I was, I was going, I was going to do that. I was going to say, and what about you, Jared? But then Gavin just kind of cut, uh, you know, pulled the rug. So. <laughs> All right, I'll just make sure to speak over uh, Brittany and Liam every time. Um, That's been sweet. I heard about it. I can't remember where I heard about. It. I heard about it a while back when they were starting it because of the association with the Ghibli Studio stuff, um, and then more recently because of the Fathom event. Uh, relentless advertising about the the showing <laughs> um, but i don't remember where that i first it was an article or something about that some uh, you know studio where they came from ghibli was creating their own uh feature so that's where i heard liam and Brittany. Brittany, go ahead oh. i think you 
actually found out about this before I did anyway, so. But I think it was at the same place. I feel like it was at our movie theater that we frequent so often. Um, mm-hmm. Probably when we went to go watch maybe Star Wars? Yeah. Or maybe before been that. In December. Oh. Because I think we saw it because they had us one of those standees in the movie theater, and I'm pretty sure I was like, ooh, Kiki's Delivery Service is coming back. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, no, no. This is a different witch. It might have been a little yes. bit earlier. Whatever movie would have been before Star Wars. Uh, Coco. Coco. And before that was Thor. So. Yeah, I'm thinking Coco. Coco. They, yeah, they had the little, like you said, they had Kiki up there. So. Yeah. And yeah, it went- I feel like the, uh, the movie poster for it, when I first saw it, I thought for sure it was a sequel to Kiki's Delivery Service or related in some way because it does look very reminiscent. Oh, yeah. looks like Studio uh, Ghibli animation all the way. Now, we saw the English voice cast. Did you guys see the English or the Japanese voice cast? Always dubbed. Always dubbed. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. I mean, I'm sorry, not dubbed. <laughs> Always the subtitles. I went for subtitles. Okay. Oh, well, the <laughs> Sorry. What about Cloud City Cast? See, we were going to do the subtitle version, but it was actually cheaper. So we were like, well, we could pay more money and feel less educated. So let's go ahead and do that. So we went with the dubbed version. Mm. Nice, nice. Because unlike, See, the, unlike the rest of you cool cats, we had a, a three-year-old in tow. And we were like, right. I just don't think he's going to feel quite as engaged. No, we say that. And we find him watching YouTube videos of a show called Mini Force. Not sure if you've ever heard of it. It's okay if you haven't. It's on Netflix. And he watches the Japanese version of it. And we Good ask boy. him, do you, oh, do you want to go watch it on Netflix in English? And he goes, no. Because he doesn't know what the heck we're asking him. No. Okay, cool. Yeah, if you get That's a chance, amazing. check it out. It's like they took every 80s television show and just crammed it all into one. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah, nice. It's, it's great. But yeah, no, we, we ended up going with the, the dubbed version. I, what, the, was there a subtitled version yeah. available? Oh, it was okay. uh, either a 7 o'clock or an 8 o'clock. And that was right. it? Yep. And I was choosing the dubbed because yeah. I do not read subtitles. Well, you don't know how to read, so. Truth. Ooh. <laughs> I saw I Kate Winslet and I was like, click. So that's why I got the dubbed. Plus, I prefer dubs yeah. over subs. Um, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that prefer the original language over um, the American dubbing of it or the English dubbing of it. But I, I myself prefer dubs uh, just because that's my native language. So I kind of right. go in more with that. And it's not like, because uh, I mean, we've talked about it before, like, it's not like the dubs from the late 80s and early 90s where they're just bad. Where they're garbage, yeah. Um, I mean, dubs now are, you know, yeah. really, really good. See, my problem with watching a dub for the, the first time I view a movie, or, or a subbed, I'm sorry, is that <laughs> I get so engrossed in the artwork and the animation that I miss words that are going by in the bottom of the screen. I just, I can't look at the movie and read the movie at the same time. I don't have that <laughs> talent. And so the first time I always watch uh, dubbed if I can, and then subsequent viewings, I do like Jared prefer the subtitles because I think the original form is, is almost always superior. And uh, you know, but I'm glad we saw it in English so that I could look at the, Beautiful, gorgeous, amazing yeah. artwork in this film. Or you make a mistake and you're going to go watch your name and you accidentally buy the sub tickets instead of the dub tickets. <laughs> yeah, we did make a mistake. And then you're mistake. like, oh, oops. Or no, wasn't it the theater? They yeah, the theater. The yeah, the theater changed us? it. Uh, that one, that was a hard jerks. one to watch with subtitles, though, because that was a very yeah. dense uh, yeah. movie to watch with 
all of that stuff Agreed. flying by. So yeah, that was harder. Agreed. So wait, Jared, why why always 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 subs for you? Uh, the, because I, I think because I want the original thing kind of first, uh, and okay. I think it happened before, especially with these yeah, the animated films. I uh, I saw uh, a subtitled one first, and then I saw the same version with the dub, and then you can't quite go back. Like it sounds weird to hear these uh, American voices coming out of what you first associated with these Japanese characters and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. this one's a little different because it's supposed to take place in, in I guess, England or something like that. Yeah, or, you know, right, right. It's not like Japanese characters. So I think there's less of a, you know, a detachment there if I, if I were to see the, uh, the dubbed version. I'm going to mess that up the whole night. Here. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's usually why, yeah. So let me ask you guys a question. When you hear... Uh, a Japanese language animated film like this, and it's set somewhere like England. Do you guys have enough of an ear for the Japanese language to be able to tell if they're doing an English accent in Japanese? Like, is that a thing? Like, are they, are they I've, doing? That? I've never been able to differentiate. Like, because I've watched a lot of subs, I've never been able to differentiate an accent. Right. I mean, there's sometimes when you can get like a Kansai accent. Can can say accent from like something like, from like Osaka or so something like, like that. Dialects, you can you can hear yeah. the Japanese dialects, but I've never heard them try and do like Russian or English or what about you, Jerry? Like did, did it sound like they were doing a, an English accent in Japanese? I I have. There's no way I can tell. Like I don't know the language <laughs> enough to yeah. to be able to pull that up. But I've often wondered that if there is a. I mean, I'm sure there is within Japan, like, you know, yeah. the, the dialect itself. But when they're doing, like, say, an American, you know, American accent, I don't I don't know if that – I can't yeah. tell. Yeah. They just turn it into a southern drawl because for them it's always, like, south, <laughs> like, Midwest in, like, t- styled accents. So that yeah. or the <laughs> really intense New York accents. So. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what I usually hear is New York. Yeah. That's right. Fun. Like, if they're trying to, to affect a certain thing. And honestly, I always think it's kind of interesting because – I don't know if it's like nationalism in my own head, but I always do think it's kind of weird to hear like English accents when it's like the American dub. So it's, you know, like if I watch Ponyo, right, and it's American um, accents, other, you know, obviously other than Liam Neeson um, and I guess Kate Blanchett, right, as the mother. But oh. like, you know, Ponyo and Tina, you know, Tina Fey and Noah, um, Cyrus, like all of them, like obviously full on American accents and it just. I think it would have thrown me if they were like all British because it's just like, oh, it's Americans overdubbing a movie that's taking place in Japan. That's fine. You know, just I don't know. I think with this one, if if they hadn't kind of drummed it into our heads that like, hey, this is taking place in Great Britain. I think I would have been a little bit thrown by the, the British accents otherwise. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it, it's always a dangerous game with the dubbing. You know, we we can all remember Billy Bob Thornton in yeah. Princess Mononoke. <laughs> uh, it's dangerous. That's the greatest but, casting choice oh of my all gosh. time. No, opposite. Uh, the, the thing about this one, though, is I was actually completely impressed by the voice acting in this one. Hmm. Um, I felt like they did a wonderful job with the casting. And, I mean, I just thought it was fantastic. And I usually have many criticisms of a dubbing. In this one, I don't think I could think of a single one. I thought it was really, really well done. So I, I appreciated that. 
but I am interested in hearing the original language the next time I view it. Did yeah, they use I'm... anybody famous for for this uh, dub? Kate Winslet. Uh, Kate, was, Kate Winslet was Madam. Um, what's his name uh, uh, from Broadbent. Harry Potter? Jim, uh, yeah, yeah, Jim, Jim Broadbent. Broadbent. Yeah. And then the girl from the BFG. Uh-huh. Yeah, the oh, little they, girl. They were Ruby. amazing. And Andy Serkis's son. Yeah, yes. I thought that yeah. was really yeah. cool. That it was his yeah. his youngest was the the voice of Peter. Peter. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, inter- interesting casting choice to have Jim Broadbent. Um, obviously, because this is a movie based on a school of wizardry and wist- witchcraft, and then mm-hmm. to have him be one of the voices of a professor is the whole time I'm just sitting there being like, ah, it's. Slugworth or whatever his freaking name was. <laughs> Slugworth, uh, you know, it was Slug close. Terra or Slugger. <laughs> yeah, Slug know. Slugger, <laughs> Professor Slugger, Professor Slugger from right. Harry Potter. Right. Harry Perfect. Potter. I have no yeah. idea. What, yeah, Professor <laughs> Harry Potter. Right. I'm right. Yeah. No, I've seen these I movies. I've read the books. I understand. No, but I thought that was an interesting choice. I thought Kate Winslet. Uh, I think for me was the most impressive. I think going from the. Yeah. Uh, like the overly enthusiastic, inviting professor, and then turning turning on her head and becoming almost like this villainous um, yeah. headmistress. I thought that was a really interesting choice, and I also thought that her um, her execution was was on point. I, I thoroughly enjoyed her. What about you, B? Oh, I loved it. Um, okay, so I lied when I heard about this movie. You lied? Yeah, because mm. I watched an interview with Kate Winslet ah. uh, like a while back on one of the many morning shows that are on. And she was talking about all of the upcoming things. And she talked. She mentioned this one, but I had no idea what she was talking about. And now I put it all together as nice. you're talking about her right now. There you go. So, yeah, so it's been out there for a while. Cool. And thanks to Kate Winslet. Okay, so you guys ready to jump into the movie? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So you guys yeah. want to talk okay. about the ending first? <laughs> yeah, that's what we usually do on this uh, on the show. Um, but Mary, uh, like I said before, Mary and the Witch's Flower is Studio Panock's first animated film. Um, it is based on uh, The Little Broomstick by Mary Stewart, the yeah. novel. So, so sorry to interrupt again. Um, did you guys get a little like interview with the? the producer and yeah, the director the end. at the end. Did you guys all get yeah, that yes. in your thing? So did you yes. know, did you notice when the producer was talking and he said, when he was explaining the choice of Pinoc as yeah. the title for their studio, the, the subtitles spelled it out P O N O T C H. So it would right. be Pinoch. And I thought yeah. that was really weird because then when you hear him say it, he still says, yeah, he says knock. He's Pinoc. Yeah, that's yeah. Pinoc, but it's <laughs> but the phonetic spelling in the subtitle said Panach. So I thought that was yeah. kind of interesting. And I don't know Croatian well enough to be able to discern if it'd be one or the other. But I thought that was really cool that they did that this was midnight or like the start of a new day. So I like that with this being their first film, um, you know, the, this is them kind of starting anew. And I thought that the storyline for this kind of mirrored that um, really well. So I thought that was an interesting choice that this was the first story they wanted to tell. And uh, right before I was interrupted by Liam, it's directed <laughs> by uh, Hiromasa, sorry, Hiromasa Yanabayashi. Nicely done. There we go. That's nice. all I had. Okay, now Liam, you can continue. Uh, it's interesting side note. I actually had a roommate for a year and a half who was from Croatia, and I'm still friends with him. And I will message him and find out exactly how to pronounce that word, which actually means midnight in Croatian. Yeah. 
I thought that was a cool reasoning that they had for naming the studio Midnight because they were leaving behind the old day and starting a new day. I thought that was a really um, cool, smart choice for a studio name that was you know, symbolic and carried some meaning for the people that you know, started it. So. And I guess we didn't really talk about the studio too much. Um, it was founded in uh, 2015 by uh, Yoshiaki uh, Nishimura, who previously worked at uh, Studio Ghibli and did um, The Secret of Arietti or Secret World of Arietti and When Marnie Was There. Right. Um, so he broke off after Miyazaki had said that they weren't going to be doing any more feature films. And so he got a bunch of his uh, like people that he worked with at Ghibli and brought them over to start the new company. Yeah. Which is a really nice story. And then, you know, Miyazaki's like, oh yeah, we've got one more. <laughs> I thought that was a nice little, oh yeah, by the way, we have one more film for you. Right, right. So, I mean, right out of the gun, this is pretty impressive for technically a new studio. I mean, they, they basically took a lot of their existing talent and brought it over mm -hmm. to this new studio. What was that? There's a oh, dinosaur. <laughs> There's a monster. Amazing. Yeah, Brenda's yeah. really getting into it. <laughs> no, but even I, with bringing I, new talent in, I mean, it's so impressive that they were able to do this on their first outing. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, um, no, but you're right. With, with like the talent acquisition that they had, the way that the animation was done, I felt like this story, visually, the way that they executed it, had a lot of elements from a lot of Studio Ghibli films. Like There were a lot of things where I was like, oh, that's very Spirited Away, or oh, that's very Howl's Moving Castle, or that is very Kiki's Delivery Service. So I thought that was really interesting um, stylistically. I think... For me, the way the movie started, I thought was really, really cool with the whole like the school is burning and um, this that unnamed awesome witch chase is sequence. trying to escape with a with mm. you know like the little old school Robin Hood money purse <laughs> of something, and then you know just like the, the 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 suited soldiers suddenly get turned into like these weird pelicans that are chasing her down. Like all of that, I was like, oh, this movie's gonna be great. This would be really intense. And then the next like hour was just super like low key like hey here's some kids and she's mad at the little boy like I just was like wow you guys had like a really like bam pow start and then just kind of chilled out for a bit like it was still enjoyable but I was that was not the direction that I was expecting after that intro did that catch anybody else off guard or was I just a cr old crazy man. <laughs> well, I thought it was a good setup because it kind of makes you it, it makes you start guessing like, OK, there's this intense thing. And now we're kind of in this quiet little country cottage. Right. So it was kind of like foreshadowing. OK, there's got to be some sort of intensity, you know, coming to kind of wrap this all together, because we didn't know if that was beforehand necessarily or yeah. afterwards or what that was you know, referencing in that first scene. So I found it as kind of a good hook. And so then when it goes to the, you know, the quieter scenes that the movie, the story then begins with, you know, it, it kind of kept me interested because I knew that there was going to be some intensity down the road. Um, but to kind of piggyback off what you were saying about some of the similarities uh, this had to a lot of the Ghibli films that we know and love already I found that that was true, but I also found myself thinking while watching this movie that it didn't feel like any Studio Ghibli movie I'd ever seen. I really feel like they kind of had a uniqueness to it, 
And I think it might be because, you know, these people that started this studio are now out from under the umbrella of Ghibli. And, you know, those three guys that started it, you know, they really influenced all of it and put their mark solidly on every film they did. And so it's almost like their catalog of films is almost their personal portfolios. And I feel like now the students are kind of, you know, out from the master's studio and they're doing their own thing. And I felt like, you know, it was a really unique experience uh, in, you know, when comparing them to Ghibli things, even though there were some similarities. What did you think uh, about it, uh, Jared, compared to the Ghibli movies that you've seen? Um, I think I would agree with Liam in that I, I think there were a lot of sort of out and out like comparisons. And I don't know if we're looking for these things because we know that these people came from the Ghibli studio. So we're highly yeah. aware, uh, but it, it's kind of a testament to the originality of the Ghibli films that like, I think like little things. So like when she came into that house to the, her, her grandmother's uh, old house and that little flame kind of talked and danced and moved to the things, you know, very cute. But then you kind of think, well, they kind of did that better in Howl's Moving Castle by, by giving yeah. that kind of fire character a personality. So it's little things like that, I think, where it's it's charming, but it doesn't elevate it beyond sort of some of the things Ghibli has already done very well. So one of the best things I think that this one did was the, the, the lead character I thought was appealing. Um, and, and then that's, that's the main thing. And, and if, it, if she wasn't an appealing character, I, I don't know that I would have gotten through this whole film. So like, I, I think you look at like the sort of the highs and the lows and you're, you're hoping the highs outshine some of the, either the slower parts or just the less successful uh, story elements. So uh, speaking of Mary, do you guys want to go ahead and talk about characters? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So, what did everybody think about Gavin? Let's start with uh, uh, Cloud City. What did you guys think about? I said Gavin, I said didn't Gavin. I? Yeah, what did you guys think about Gavin? About do you like him? Kind of like him, maybe not. What does everybody think about me, real quick? Um, <laughs> it's going to be rough. And then I'm we'll like go Jared, okay. and then we'll go Josh, and then we'll yeah. Um, no, but what do you guys think about um, like the character designs? Okay, so this movie, I know we've just talked about it, either feeling like Studio Ghibli or not feeling like Studio Ghibli. It did. It felt like Studio Ghibli. Honestly, I could take this film and it could be in the Ghibli catalog because the animators come from Ghibli. The style is the same. I thought uh, Mary looked so much like Ponyo, but she also... um, the, the style kind of could look like Kiki just because she is a witch. You, you're thinking, you know, Kiki's delivery service. So any character or any of the, um, like the beginning sequence, you, you touched on those, those flying things that they, they're like the water. Pelicans, yeah. Uh, flying things that looked like Howl's moving castle to me, but also looked like Ponyo. So I feel like it's, the characters are beautiful because I love Ghibli animation. So they didn't miss anything. Like they didn't miss the mark with this movie. I'm okay if it's exactly like Ghibli because I love it so much. But I think the character design is pretty much spot on with Ghibli. What yeah, no, I, I, I like that. I, you know, I, I definitely agree with that. I do, um, I do feel like when you're doing this style or like this style of storytelling, I think it's hard to get away from. Mm-hmm. Those similar like arcs, those similar character um, archetypes. So I, th- I think not that this film was like doomed from the start, but like this studio will always 
draw comparisons to Ghibli regardless of what stories I want to tell. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what caught me off guard the most is because when they did start with that very intense intro, I was like, oh, they're going like Princess Mononoke, but like mm-hmm. to the 10th degree. So I legitimately was expecting like a much darker, more intense story. And then when they pulled it back, I was like, oh, okay, no, this this is going to be very similar romp to what, what we've seen in the past, uh, which isn't a bad thing because I, I love Studio Ghibli movies. Like they're, I think there's maybe like one or two that weren't, you know, like mind blowingly amazing, but they were still good films. But I think with this one, I walked out of it like satisfied. And I don't think there was any one character that stuck out where I was like, well, that character didn't need to be there except for maybe like Confucius the dog. Cause they like introduced him real quick. And I was like, Oh, what a cute dog. And he has a funny face and this is going to be great. And then it was like, and the dog <laughs> is done. And then they inserted a whole bunch of cats, and I don't know if Christina Sakura is going to listen to this, but oh my god, <laughs> she's really going to draw like four of those cats, more cats, a witch with more cats. <laughs> like we couldn't have had one witch with a dog. Like come on, but no, no. I, I, well, I, a dog can't sit on a broom. Why not? That dog. That dog was no bigger than a cat. There's no reason the that dog, dog was frail. Broom. That dog was like was, fine. She could have like tied no. It. That dog's she, not going to sit on anything. Tied it down, or she could have like I don't know had a sweater and like tucked it in the front part of the sweater. Yeah. So his little face could have poked out. Same thing she would have done with the cat, anyways. I mean, come on. No, but I I did like Mary. I thought she was a she was a very likable character. Um, I liked Peter. I th- I feel like he was a little underutilized until Act I liked Three. Peter's hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Peter's hair. I like hair how he had fun. his his little his yeah, little bang things hair. on the side. That was his, pretty his cool. Bangs under the hat. No, I, and I liked yeah. the, I liked the <laughs> character designs. I liked Great Aunt Charlotte. Like she was really fun as well. Um, the, that she was the only for me though. She was the only one that looked like. Generic. Not like she, be- yeah, she didn't seem like she belonged in that well, world. Everybody else like looked like you know like G- uh, Ghibli esque people, right. and then there was Charlotte, and I was like, okay, Charlotte, sure, but, why not? But I think she was supposed to be unassuming because uh-huh. you're never supposed to get the impression yeah. that like, oh, she was the witch in the beginning. I yeah. kind of had a feeling. I was like, well, obviously, you know, she's here for a reason. She's not just like a kindly old aunt, but. Um, I, I was kind of expecting that she was going to have more of a part to play. Um, Jerry, what about you, man? What do you thought? What were your well, thoughts? Just, so for me, like this whole film, it, it, not to bring it back to Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here goes two hours. <laughs> it feels like um, this kind of felt like how I felt about The Force Awakens. Like it's taking very familiar things and it's giving it back to you in kind of a similar way. And you can still like it, but it's it's playing it kind of safe and i think that's what they did with a lot of the characters because a lot of these characters you can kind of see similarities to previous you know old you know old ladies as villains and the 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 professor guy was similar to kind of like the spirited away guy so there's like slightly familiar things but it's still its own thing um so that's kind of how i felt about it like maybe they played it a little safe for this one as their first feature and that that makes sense um so i'm i'm kind of excited to see what they do next but for this one like i think everyone served their purpose fine i I think if anything my complaints would more be with a story than specific characters but um but i did like mary very much i thought they did great with the humor and how they they did her and and just like studio ghibli they they tend to do better with the female characters uh, than the male. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I did like Mary herself. Yeah, we were noting that when we walked out of the theater. Actually, that it, it's interesting how uh, most animated films done in the Western Hemisphere feature boy heroes, mm-hmm. and most of the films that we see out of studios like Ghibli and Panache 
are <laughs> featuring girl heroes. I think that's a really interesting um, juxtaposition when you look at those two things. And I don't really know what the reasonings are for those things. I'm sure there are some deep-seated cultural differences that would explain it, but I, I'm not sure what those are. Uh, what did you think of the characters, Josh? Um, I thought the characters were really good. I really liked Mary. I loved her hair. It was awesome. I, I thought that was fantastic. Um, I didn't know that there was going to be a little boy character, but the moment I saw Peta, uh, Peta, 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 yeah, I was like, <laughs> oh, sweet, it's Katniss. Um, uh, the moment I saw Peter, I was like, perfect, shipping it. Like, <laughs> all day long, Mary and Peter, nice. Meter is going to be their <laughs> slash name. So uh, I saw that and I was like, perfect, love it. Uh, I thought the cats were fantastic, mm-hmm. especially. Uh, Oh, what's the main Tib? cat? Tib? It's Tib, Tib and Gib, right? Yeah, Tib, Tib, T-I-B, because it was Tib and Gib. Gib. And Gib was the gray cat. Yeah, I thought Tib was great. Like Just like his like deadpan expressions all the time, I thought those were fantastic. I thought all the pet characters were done really well. Yeah. I liked them all. Oh, were you done? Yes. Okay. I am going to agree with everybody about Mary. She's There's just something about Mary. Dang it. I was about to make it. I was about to. She's She was a fantastic character. I loved her design. She was just so easily lovable. You wanted to root for her from the beginning. The thing that I found very interesting about her character is when you start to realize that they did a really unique thing with her because in almost every example of a character like this who suddenly becomes aware that they can be magical or may have access to magical powers and there's a moment where you realize where she's not interested in keeping that like she doesn't want anything to do with it i thought that was really interesting for them to do because the whole time i'm thinking you know, what are you, what are you doing? Like, come on, use, use your powers. Like, keep, go find more flowers. Go do, like, don't you want to do this? And then when she's just like, nah, I just want to be a kid and live my life. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting choice. And, and it makes the film very unique to me. Yeah, I thought it was good because, I mean, she just liked it when people were paying attention to her. Because she kind of says in this, like, because she's clumsy. Mm-hmm. Um, she's awkward. She says it as much. Um, she doesn't like her red hair. And she comes to Indoor Academy, and it's like, Red Hair's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a super cool witch. Everybody wants to meet her. Everybody wants to, you know, everything with her. And it's, like, for me, I was like, well, this is perfect. This is exactly what she wants. And she got that one time, and that's all she needed. She just wanted that one day, that one special day. <laughs> For her to be, like, the center of everything. Right. And she got it. And then she was like, eh, I don't want to go back. Yeah. Then she starts making fun of their voices, which I thought was really good. <laughs> yeah, the other two characters which I really liked were the, the two school characters, you know, the two teachers. Mm-hmm. And I thought they did a really um, good job Dr. With them. D and Madam... I got her name. Madam Hold on. something. It's like Mumblechuck. I just... Yeah. yeah, Mumblechuck. Mumblechuck, yeah. There you go. I thought they did a really good job kind of riding the balance where they did things that you didn't like. They, they made them nefarious, but it didn't always seem like they were intentionally nefarious. They didn't, you didn't hate them the whole time. And so there was a moment near the end where they kind of, you know, get their comeuppance and they kind of realize, ah, oh, we failed again and this is probably not a good thing for us to pursue. 
And I, I like that choice too, that they weren't just out and out villains that you hated and were doing, you know, devious things. Um, and I thought it was fun to watch all of their magic get undone when we saw all of the creatures mm-hmm. uh, that they'd created uh, turn back into their original forms and stampede off. I thought that was that was a cool moment. But I really liked um, the the what was Jim Broadbent's character, the male Doctor teacher, Doctor D. Yeah. Dr. D. I liked him a lot. I loved how kooky he was and his little contraptions that would, you know, save him from having to walk uh, his little means of conveyance. I thought those were great and inventive and they seemed to change from scene to scene. He was in some sort of new walker. And I thought that all those designs were really fun to watch. Uh, And I liked his little uh, crew of robotic minions. I thought they were neat. They, they to me were very Ghibli. Hmm. So anyway, uh, that's that's my two cents about characters. That seems like a very Ghibli thing, though, doesn't it? To make the villain not purely evil or sort of like you can kind of understand where they're coming from. That seems like very much a Ghibli trait with uh, with all of their films. I, I was wondering, since we touched on this, if and I haven't thought this out, so I was hesitant to say this, but <laughs> I, I liked what you were saying about how she didn't want to keep the magic or like that wasn't the goal for her. It was to be a powerful witch or something like that. Um, but does that, by sort of, reducing that element of the story does it make the sort of school aspect seem unnecessary like she could have just gone to these witches but we never really get into the fact that this yeah, is a school I, or like it never takes mm-hmm. over as i thought it was going to be a much more harry potter storyline once yeah, they started yeah. showing us all the rooms and everything and then they kind of just dropped it and then you just see the front of the school every time yeah i had a problem with the school that was yeah. my problem with the school like we see the really cool bit. Sorry, Liam. Uh, no, we no, see the really cool bit where they're all doing like she's learning, she's getting the walk through, and then none of those kids are ever heard from again. Yeah. <laughs> like, did they all die when the school like blew up? I mean, right. what like, what was what was going on with that? Yeah, I think this is actually a great topic to transition into story. And I think the school is one of the plot devices that they could have developed a little more. I, I agree, and. It, it is weird that, I mean, it was kind of lost in a lot of the action that the motivation for these teachers was to create this transformational magic, which allows the students to be the best students of any magic school anywhere. You know, that's why they wanted those flowers to give them this magical superpower. And I don't think those motivations were really made clear or really made that important in the story and i think that did take away from you know my wanting to be really gripped by the story what Mm -hmm. did you guys think about that aspect how about cloud city go well i would say i know the whole the school thing i think it was necessary i get that it could have just been her going over to witches and the you know it could have been anybody just trying to give somebody all the witch's power. Is that what they were trying to do? They wanted a human to be able to be a witch. I think that's what they were originally trying well, to do. Well, they wanted the 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 flower gave them like extra power or yeah. ultimate. Yeah, like the whole time they were power. they were transferring they wanted uh, transforming able- like uh, regular animals to magical creatures, and then they wanted to transform a human into like the ultimate magical creature yeah, the uber witch. like the fairy looking thing with butterfly wings mm, gotcha yeah. so then the humans would also obtain magical powers so they would be like yeah. yeah okay so 
I don't know. I felt like the school was was necessary to the story for me, at least, because then it did touch on that Harry that Harry Potter feel, and I liked that because that's what took me away from Kiki's delivery service. Because mm-hmm. then it wasn't just a story about a little witch; it was more about her, you know, the the female character actually saving the day. I love that's where they that's where they went with this story is that she did have to save the day, and it was for me. I think the story was more about um, her not being happy with herself in the beginning, how she kept talking about her hair and she doesn't like the way she looks. Um, She's going to a new school, so everything's uncomfortable. And then she kind of comes into her her own because the magic helps her show her that way. And then she realizes at the end, oh, I don't I don't need the magic. Mm -hmm. I'm okay. I, you know, I feel fine with myself without the magic. So I love that she got rid of the magic at the end. At least that was my take on the story. So I completely disagree with you, like 110%. No, no, no. Um, I felt... Okay, so... so um, That's good. One of, one of my favorite uh, Studio Ghibli movies is Spirited Away, but one of the things about that film that always bugged me was the bathhouse, because it really had nothing to do with the overall story that that is happening. Like, the events could have taken place anywhere, but they were like, let's make it a bathhouse. Why not? We'll have no face give this frog person gold coins. We're not sure why, but it'll happen. <laughs> um, and I kind of felt like the school was a similar, like, um, MacGuffin. You know, like, oh, we're going to set this up as though it's incredibly important, but then you're going to realize that it's not. Um, I, I Visually, I thought it was stunning. Like, especially the room of, you know, the students where it's just, you know, like the... Uh, people are playing different games and they're floating and then there's a weird bodybuilder in like a no face mask. I liked, like I liked I like that one that like takes a dive from a diving board into the water, the water and turns into a bubble. Yeah. That was super cool. So yeah, so like little things like that. I thought visually it was very stunning. Um mm-hmm. but I to me I don't feel like it really added anything to the story. And then they sort of like steamrolled and not to bring this back to Star Wars, but it was kind of like <laughs> Canto Bite, where it was like, hey, let's romp through this really quickly, but it has no yeah. bearing on the overall story. And if anything, by the time we get out of here, you're going to be so thankful that we're done with this sequence that you're almost going to feel relieved because it was so terrible. And I feel like this, to a lesser extent, extent kind of had that because they were like, oh, we're going to show you the first years. Oh, wait, you already have all this magic for no real reason other than you have a flower embedded in your hands because a cat threw it at you. Oh, we're going to take you to another room. Boom, you have all of these powers. Now these are all our amazing students that know how to disappear. But for some reason, you turned it into a tornado, so we view that as amazing. And she, instead of her being like, no, 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 this isn't what I'm supposed to do. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. She's just like, why? That's only 40% of my power. I'm fantastic. I thought that was hilarious when she was like, I'm a See, using 40%. I, I thought that was, was great. But they didn't build... Like, I understood that it was building her confidence. Yes, it definitely but was. I would have preferred for her to crave that afterwards. For her to be like, but, I need, but I need the magic. I need that magic because that's what gave me the confidence. And then at the end, I think it would have been a bigger payoff if she had been like, oh, I don't need the magic. Because I never really got the sense that she was, like, hooked on it. That she was like, oh, my God, I need this to survive or mm-hmm. I need this to feel... Um, important or uh, you know worthy of what I have, so I think the payoff at the end would have been, felt more satisfying had we had that build up. I get that, but, but I, I just I kind of felt like she was just like, hey, this is fun for today. I think it's a better story to tell for kids today 
to not have to crave that, to not want to be like the other person, to not want that pair of jeans because that girl has that pair of jeans, you know? And I think that's kind of what they're doing is they're trying to tell a story that kids should hopefully want to pursue rather than... But I think that's what they missed. I think they needed to, I think they needed to showcase that more so, you, so it would have been more apparent. That's what I'm saying is I feel oh. like it kind of felt like... Well, I like, got it. it kind of felt, I got that from the story. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, in, in, in my... When I walked out of there, I was kind of like, well, I felt like we we kind of missed that. But if you got it, then uh, maybe I just was too busy eating popcorn or you something. Were... I don't know. <laughs> well, Mary, she's okay. also not the perfect character either. Mm-hmm. She's a normal kid. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that shows. I mean, the second she gets confronted with some sort of, like, how do you know about this flower? Or, like, where'd you find this? She's like, uh, Peter. It's his flower. I mean, I don't know. that. It's totally his flower. You know, it's his. Uh, and so she's automatically lies. And I'm like, smart. I would have done the exact same thing. I would have pinned it on somebody else. <laughs> Be like, I don't know, man. I mean, that's uh, that dog's, the, the dog found it. I mean, go kill hit. You know, <laughs> just something like that. Uh, I thought that was good. And I mean, it does show that she is not a perfect, wonderful character. She's a normal kid who's like, oh, I'm about to get in trouble. I'm going to pin this on somebody else. Right. They won't know. So I think ultimately the conclusion here about the school is that it just makes for a neat backdrop to scenes, right? Like, yeah. Like they tried to make it part of the story, but it ends up not really affecting the story in a fundamental way. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that being said, I do love the design of the school. Uh, you know, that scene that Liam was talking about with the magical student union building. I'm sure that's in all their brochures. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was, you know, really cool. I liked I liked the fact that it was this floating island in the clouds. I, I, I kind of got for a minute, like, are they trying to drop a lot of Star Wars references? Here's our third drawback to Star Wars here. Uh, this is going to turn Endor. eventually into a completely Star Wars episode. I mean, technically, but, Indoor is yeah. not a Star Wars reference. It's a biblical reference. Okay, well, for most people, it's a Star Wars reference. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, but then also, technically, King Solomon goes with the Israelite army, and they go okay. find the Witch of Indoor, and it's literally a thing. And thus ends Bible Hour. There you go. And the the fact that it's a floating city in the clouds as well, ah. I thought was another visual reference to Star Wars. And, you know, I well, don't they, know. I mean, I, they, they did the same cloud city in uh, Castle in the castle Sky. In the sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So it, and it's literally a castle around, in so. the sky. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was interesting that there was a couple of what I felt were kind of clear references to Star Wars. Uh, but I, I, I think the, the school ultimately was a very neat place to visit. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that they did that. The other location that I loved that I feel like really did add to the story was the forest. And the idea that there's this, you know, understood rule that you don't go in there when it's misty and, you know, somebody does and things happen. And that, to me, created a lot of the the magic of the story for me. So I liked that element. What What did you guys think? I thought the forest was really cool. I did like that there is a, we know we're not supposed to go in the forest when it's misty or right. foggy. And yeah. she's like, you scared? And he's like, uh, uh, I'm going to leave. Yeah. He and then he goes that back. Out. That's why Peter is the best character in this entire film. Just going <laughs> to pop that out there. I mean, he's, he's my boy. So I'm with him all the way. Those bangs. He wears a cool jacket and a hat. Has two cats. That's cool. I, I wish I had a cat. No, oh, Con- Confucius. Confucius was the best character. <laughs> is, is that the dog? Yeah, the dog. The old dog. Yeah, he was cool. Yeah. I liked him. The dog was, the uh, dog was legit. I don't know, Jared, did you, what, what did you think? 
Well, I mean, I think nature always plays a big part in the Ghibli films too. Like, I don't think there's one that doesn't sort of address that. And I think, again, it's like there's so many good things in this film, but it's like some things are underdeveloped and, you know, some things are kind of left hanging. And so it kind of keeps you from, like, loving this film, for me at least. But, um, like... uh, I think the most emotional part of the film for me was actually when those animals, when you kind of realize what's happening to these animals and then when they turn back, like for me, that was the more so than the final scene where it gets a little confusing as to what exactly is happening. (laughs) Um, Like I'm like, Oh, they could have ended with this animal scene and then they escape. And that would have been great. Like just finish with that. But uh, so that's like, there's all these elements. Like that's why the school stuff never kicked in and became sort of integral to the, to the solution. Like we never saw kids after that scene. Everything was always abandoned of of any kids walking around. Like, um, you know, every time she came to that front entrance, nobody was there. Uh, and even just, that little just Flanagan with his yeah. rooms. Well, and another one. Here's one. They were very right. stern about people being late. But I mean, <laughs> you're telling me nobody. Just even Flanagan. Flanagan yeah. Nobody rooms. was late. Wait, wait a sec. Wait a sec. Wait a sec. What if those students are actually the animals? Well, that's what if they weren't actually <laughs> students well, no, the entire time? When they deconstruct time? the animals, you see the two animals that they try to combine. What if they're not actually students? What if the students are not actually students? Oh. They're actually the animals. I mean, they're witches. They can make them appear whatever they want. And the majority of those kids do have masks on. Like, when sure. you get into the higher level people, they all have masks. So, under that theory, are you saying when she does the unmagic spell that they're in, a, they're in another part of the school, but they transformed back into animals yes. at the same time? They all transformed into animals. Okay. I think so, like, there were no kids the whole time. Animals at that point. So, uh, Are you kidding me? They had a billion animals. I'm going to go ahead and say There were animals just, for days. I think it was just underdeveloped plot device that they were just like, there's yeah. kids in these schools and now we don't need them anymore, so they're going to be gone. Yeah. It almost yeah, seems like right. a different version of the film existed, and they kind of left that in because it was cool to see all that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, all the cool, like, uh, the animals were sort of serving. Did you notice that, how they were, like, the cooks and, and things like oh, that? In the yeah. thing? Oh, like, that was so that jacked was, up. So you've got a pig <laughs> serving a roasted pig, and then you have a cow with, like, a sla- <laughs> slab of beef, like, this is, this is from my sister. Hope you enjoy her. She screamed terribly as I cut her to ribbons. Like, so that kind of supports I mean. Josh's they're the theory, actual yeah. animals. Exactly. What if they're the actual animals and they're not actually kids? They're animals. Yeah. What that, if that one have of been... the animals is actually Hannibal the animal lecture <laughs> and he's in the basement talking to Clarice? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um I don't know. Can I, I like mute I think it would have been honestly I think that would have been a really thing. cool thing had it had they actually developed that. If they were like, mm-hmm. "Oh, by the way, these kids are somewhat of a success because mm-hmm. these were animals that we turned into humans, now we need to turn them from humans into super witches." And then, mm-hmm. you know, you, yeah. they could have donned capes and flown around and thrown shields at each other. It would have been great. And but, they're so I mean, hideous and underdeveloped, that's why they have to wear those Rorschach Faces. Yeah. yeah, dude, we've right, just written right. a better movie in like thirty seconds. So let's well, because I mean, because we saw um, uh, Madame uh, Mumblechook, she turns a statue into like an actual fish. So it's, I mean, there's nothing that could say that you know maybe she can turn the animals, make them look like people, right? right? Or so that's kind of what they specialized in. Yeah. Or stop. Uh, yeah, it was all transformation. Running away with the flower that she needs. 
<laughs> right. I mean, just right. saying. Too easy. <laughs> too, too I like how it was like always a flower, like, but it was like a little blueberry. Well, like towards yeah. the end when she when like she goes to, stylistic. When yeah, she goes like to world. flee from Mary's house, or not Mary's house from from her um, aunt's house from her Charlotte. great aunt's house, she flees and she's like, I gotta get out of there. And Mumble Chick just pops up next to her, like, I'll race you to the castle. See ya. <laughs> I was just like, um, yeah, I guess. All right. <laughs> and then I guess there's that too. <laughs> but you know, no, no. Um, I was gonna say something like visually. Um, there was a port when they were talking about the woods and like when the mist rolled in, it like the cloud cover legitimately looked like video footage of clouds. It did uh, not yeah. look like mm-hmm. it was animated. And then there was a part later on in the story where they showed the a couple grades of blades of grass. It was the end. Like they were right up front, and then it kind of panned yeah. to what was in the background. But the the plants that were up front just looked like they had photographed a plant it was amazing mm-hmm. like i i almost would be hard pressed to believe either one of those sequences were animated and that they didn't right. just animate backgrounds behind behind like actual um photographs or like cgi'd smoke or something because like that that fog was amazingly well rendered i was very impressed yeah i noticed both of those things i feel like they were both cg i don't think they were filmed uh in real life but they were done in a hyper realistic mm-hmm. way that did it didn't marry perfectly with the rest of the art. Um, and I always have a big problem with that. If you're going to use CG, make sure you marry it to the art that exists in in 2D. And you know, so many of the Japanese studios have absolutely mastered that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one of the films we talked about, uh, A Boy and the Beast, and uh, another one we talked about with uh, Padma Inverted, they both have a ton of CG mixed in with their 2D, and it is seamless. It's mm-hmm. amazing. So, yeah, those two elements kind of popped out for me. Um, what I did like animation-wise was I did like the action in this movie. I felt like they did a really good yeah. job with it. You know, the flying sequences and, you know, all of the the stampeding animals and, you know, the weird um, black tar grab you magic that <laughs> Mumblechuck would oh, do. Yeah. The- yeah, that was cool. And I like how it was like, it was like water. Sure. I, think, I think it was... Yeah water and then like it would leave like a wa- a wet spot yeah. whenever it steal would be there that was yeah, super grab cool. attack steal them back. back but then yeah. she said it like yeah. 80 times, times and i'm just like <laughs> all right kate yeah cut it back that was a her bit. go-to yeah. that was definitely her go-to in the third <laughs> act yeah but uh i i thought the animation of the action was done really well i'm always impressed when you know there's a lot of movement and i feel like it's animated well and i think they did that's one of the high points in this movie for me was was that. Oh, yeah, when she I, hops on the deer and it's just like in Princess Mononoke where he like rides yes. the elk. And oh, that like, deer is totally a like, red oh, elk. There's I mean, another one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> well, and I mean, we had the big, huge uh, monster that was basically the same, like kind of like the same monster for Mononoke. Whenever uh, that like, that monster, like the, fear, the forest, spirit, forest spirit, when he yeah. was all... Rari, whenever he would touch anything, like death would happen. Yeah. And so, whenever this mon, like whenever Peta monster, uh, <laughs> Peter, Peter, it's Peter. His name is Peter. Whenever the Peter monster like Peter. touched anything, uh, everything would turn 
like it would catch on fire. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. I will say I hated that monster. That <laughs> stupid smiley face took me out of it. I was yeah, like, it's was not that? threatening at all. Look at it. It's just the doofy looking thing. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't that impressed with that part either. So let's go ahead and talk about the the, the finish of this film, the climax. We don't want to talk about Peter the whole time. <laughs> yeah. How do you guys feel about the way that this film ended? How about we start with Cloud City Cast? Um, I I liked that it ended because then I didn't have to watch Act Three anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I, honestly, Jared, they're not going to invite us back on anything. Cause after <laughs> no, Wars, Jared, you're like, invited on every episode. They're just terrible at reviewing things. No, no. Okay, so I'm with Gavin. I loved the action. Um, I think it was like a it was a good. Um, uh, parallel to what we saw in the beginning of the film, and especially I liked with Mumblechook and Doctor D both being like, "Oh no, it's happening again! Like we failed once before, and now we're failing a second time. Like when will we ever learn curses?" You know, like I, I actually kind of liked that that there was this um, recognition by them that they were like, "Look, we thought we were doing right, and we haven't. So now we need help to try to solve this problem." Um, but I gotta agree with Josh. the The big blue jolly green giant blob was 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 pretty um i don't don't know like just underdeveloped like i think i would have preferred something more menacing or i would have preferred peter just straight up turning into like crazy butterfly demon angel and like i would almost prefer him to seem angelic but wreaking destruction with that because it would have been a good counterbalance to what his appearance was but he was just like a bumbling buffoon and i don't know it, it didn't I don't know if it was like, I never really felt like anyone was in danger. I never really felt like there was a point where it's like, oh no, they're not going to save Peter or there's no kids in this school running in terror as it's burning to the ground around them. <laughs> the like, animals were. Yeah, like, like, like the animals are like, oh crap, got a, got a jet. But like, I don't know. I, I thought there was, um, I, I felt like there was kind of a race to the finish at that point. And they're just like, okay, we, we've hit the time that we like the time length we were trying to hit. So we've got five minutes to wrap this up. Let's you know, let's get it going here. What about you, Bimo? Okay, so with the monster, what I'm assuming the studio was trying to do, I don't think they were trying to turn off any kids. I think when you listen to, if you stayed and listened to the um, the director, the director, um, and what they were saying about you know, how kids reception of the film and the kids reception of the teachers, the professors, they didn't want them to think that all like adults are evil in any way that you can have bad ideas, but you know, if you can come around, you, you can set things right. And I think they did that really well in that ending scene. I think the professors realized, Oh, like you said, we messed up again. And then they were able to let uh, Mary help them and let Peter help them. So I, I love that. I think if some people didn't stay back and listen to the director's talk at the end, I think they would feel like you feel. But because yeah, I heard them talking. there were a bunch of people talking, that left ours. Yeah. Because I think, you know, because I know what they were trying to, you know, pervade to the but, kids. But, but don't you kind of feel like when you watch a movie, you shouldn't have 20 minutes of a director right? and a producer explaining the film that you just <laughs> you had for an hour and a half? You should Maybe The Last Jedi, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Man, <laughs> I probably would have preferred that. Do it again. 
No, because no, everyone take a it. shot for the Star Wars references, right? <laughs> no, because I I did really like that he was so passionate in the way that he conveyed his message, mm-hmm. but it didn't take like that didn't change the way I felt coming out of the film because I was like, okay, but I still felt this way about your film, mm-hmm. but I love that you had a different passion for it than what I saw coming out of it, right? And I think Jared, you and I talked about this when when we did the 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 Last Jedi one. You you sometimes have to recognize that certain things were not made for you. Mm-hmm. And that, like, with this film, it's not that it wasn't enjoyable for me because I did enjoy it, but I understood that they were not trying to go towards a married 35-year-old. Yeah, it's aimed, <laughs> it's aimed towards the heart of a child. Yes, exactly. And the mind exactly. of a child, for yes. sure. And I think because I view movies more that way than you you do or some of you. Well, because I'm, I'm a cranky old man. so <laughs> I, can, I can watch a cartoon and it doesn't have to have the great story as long as it looks good and it's either funny or the music's great. I'm happy. Right. So I think they did a wonderful job. But I love that we did stay after to hear their story yes, about that, agreed. to kind of show... I think why that monster wasn't menacing because I don't think they wanted it to be menacing right. for the kids. Mm, gotcha. Jared, what do you think? I, I would agree with Liam in that I think, like, I felt like what we saw, I didn't feel like that's what we were building towards. So, yeah. like, say he turned into that butterfly thing, but he was like a monster and it was evil and, and what they were going for was actually wrong. Like, I think that would have been a clearer thing, but it never, the thing never took shape. <laughs> And so you didn't have a you're, you're kind of like well what is it heading towards I don't understand what what the what the uh, like what is the danger of this thing going to be because it never got out of that lab it never unleashed we didn't really get to see what it was going yeah to I mean do. it it did attack Mumblechook and all it did was like sucker magic but she was totally fine it changed her hair color but that was about it yeah right it took the dye out of my hair oh no <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was fine like uh, you know from a from a story point was fine maybe the execution uh, didn't read as sort of satisfyingly as i had hoped it would be um but i i don't know if sometimes these are like a cultural thing i think a lot of anime and japanese films in general they are more um they're not so specific whereas american animation movies in general i think we feel like we need to have that point driven home like we better get here's the moral of this story at the end and yeah and the japanese seem more comfortable with it being sort of like well we don't know what it was you know so there might be a little bit of it's that a good in there, point. But, uh, i think this movie was probably more closer to an american animation than the the ghibli stuff was not that that makes it successful or unsuccessful but it felt like they were trying to stay more linear in their storytelling than the ghibli stuff which can kind of go all over the place before you know, resting on a on a finish. Right, I I can agree with that. What uh, you want me to go next, or you want yeah, to go next? Go ahead. Okay, uh, I I kind of agree with everybody. Uh, what's been said already? I feel like the ending was a bit rushed. I do like Liam said, like the conclusions that Doctor D and and Mumblechuck came to when they realized, you know, they'd screwed up again, and maybe they were misguided in what they were doing. Uh, I, I do have my problems with the the blob that ate Endor. <laughs> I, I don't know that it was the most well executed or well conceived mm-hmm. uh, design, but I feel like it was indicated in the the scene that we saw at the beginning of the movie and then subsequent flashbacks that that's what it looked like when that experiment failed because we had that same bubbly blue stuff happening yeah. in that and that's mm. what lit the school on fire the first time so i think the reason that he's unformed is because this 
this experiment is failing. We're watching the experiment fail. So for me, it, it, it made a little more sense as to its form, but its execution, how it kind of was walking around and how it all of a sudden developed that smiley face. Yeah, that seems a little, eh, I wouldn't have gone that direction. It's an but, emoji. Right, right. And I, and I do like the, the hero moment that Mary has where she kind of realizes, oh, I can actually solve this. I don't have to have magic. I just have to leverage the magic that's around me. Mm-hmm. And I liked that. I felt, mm-hmm. again, it was a little abrupt. And, you know, and then the kind of post-climax scene is, you know, just them riding their bikes. And that's it's pretty She sweet. made a friend and that's all she <clears throat> wanted. Right. And that kind of goes back to the whole idea of her, you know, not caring if she's magical or not. I think this goes back to the fact that this is a crazy little adventure that a kid had, but a kid's just happy being a kid most of the time. And, you know, not every kid is going to be Harry Potter and they think they're going to take on the mantle of, you know, saving all of Wizard World or whatever. Mm. So (laughs) I, I do kind of like a lot of their reasons and conclusions, but I do feel like it was done in such a compact, you know, few minutes at the end of the film that it, it did kind of lack impact for mm. me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with um, probably the most burning question on everybody's mind. How did Peter get his clothes back? Because, I mean, he's wearing <laughs> that super cool robe. And then, like, Mary, like, wakes up and he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I found everything. Like, I got it all on. I look dope. I even covered you in my jacket because I'm a Hopefully baller. So he lost his hat. So, I mean, unfortunately, uh, there magic. was a loss. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, we don't need no stinking magic. And then she's like, oh, wait, by the way, he still needs clothes. Boof. Done. Last bit of magic. That was all they like, had uh, to do. That's what they use the last flower for. <laughs> the last, yeah, that last little bulb. The last weird <laughs> little water bulb. Um. I did like that though. I did like the like the idea that she needed something to as a catalyst to get the magic. I thought that that was like a, yeah. a really cool um, idea. So that it was like a normal person with just a little ex- something extra can become you know extraordinary. I actually, I, I really like that aspect of it. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I I'm I don't know. I'm just gonna repeat myself at this point. Just not enough of a payoff for well. I- <laughs> for me. I like that she saved the boy. Uh, I think that's even yes. in the yeah, Ghibli sure. films, that's not always the case, um, mm-hmm. where we have a very strong female character, but kind of in the end, the boy kind of saves them in the end. Um, so this was kind of nice that this was all driven by her. Everything was driven by her in the end. So even though she mm-hmm. needed his magic to do it, she was the one that she was the catalyst for the. Yeah, it was her idea and everything. She's like, I'm gonna, you know figure everything out. I thought that was I thought that was a nice choice. Mm-hmm. Um I like that she had to save Peter the whole entire time too. Like yes. that whole th- like almost yeah. third fourth act is her being like I have to save Peter. Yeah. Like and I messed no up. Yeah. It. She was using that last flower to get back there exactly. to save him. And I was worried because there's the point where they go to escape and he gets his like she he's getting his, his uh, ankle wrapped mm-hmm. up by the gotcha attack or grab attack. Mm-hmm. So I was there. There was the part of me that was like, "Ugh, now it's gonna flip and he's gonna be the hero and we're gonna have wasted all this time with her." So I was glad that they didn't go down that path that I thought they were going to because between that and then when they you know um, or like the sequence where they're finding all the animals that are that have been mutated. Mm-hmm. Um, I was definitely a little apprehensive that I was like, okay, well, I think I know finally where this story is going. I think I understand the purpose. 
uh, but I'm worried that he's now going to be the one that saves everything. But so, yeah, I agree. I was definitely glad that they they flipped it and, and kept her kind of the the focus because let's be honest, it is yeah. Mary and the Witch's Flower, not Peter. <laughs> right. And but it, Flower. it's interesting too that they made it that. Uh, she felt like it was her fault. Uh, it wasn't yeah. that she loved Peter or that, you know, they developed some great relationship. She felt that she had gotten him into this trouble. And so she felt responsibility to do this, not just, you know, a, a slim romantic story thrown in there for, for whatever reason. Right. I mean, for me, there was the slim romantic story because, I mean, I automatically attached to that, even though there's not anything there. I invented it you in my head. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, going with uh, what you said, Jared, like, I mean, she feels it's her fault because it is her fault. Yeah. Really, <laughs> she yeah, she, she is the one that causes all of this yeah. stuff mm-hmm. to happen to him. Well, she doesn't cause um, Dr. D and Mumblechuck's. Um, no, but she causes Mumblechuck to right. go get Peter. Yeah. Yeah, she she provides the knowledge that then makes the events unfold mm-hmm. as they did. Yeah, you're right. And then he lost so, his hat. Um, we're we've crossed the hour mark here. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about one last little piece of the movie before we move on to our ratings. Uh, I'd love to hear what everybody thought, uh, what their impressions were of the music in this film, hmm. because I thought it was um, fairly impressive. So uh, Liam, our musician, you want to kick us off on? what your impressions of the music were uh completely forgettable <laughs> really yeah not a single piece in there was enchanting engaging uh anything different than i've heard in any other animated film no i actually really liked the music um i was impressed uh <laughs> well i was impressed with like the dichotomy of like the opening was like, Star where, like Wars they, music. they really did build uh, a good amount of intensity like when you really when you when you when uh, that opening sequence occurs, if you really listen to like the way the music uh, builds, it creates this in, this fabulous intensity that I think that's where I maybe that's why I, I'm not as uh, sold on this film because I really thought this was going to be a different movie than what I ended up seeing. So like with that opening sequence, I was like, oh, this is great! It'd be super intense. The music is great. Like especially when the when um um uh, what's the the great aunt's name. Charlotte. Charlotte. Charlotte, thank you. When Charlotte is fleeing and the the glue pelicans are coming after her, um, the the music that's that's building, like the the, the execution of the violins, creates such a beautiful tension. Um, I, I I absolutely love that. And then uh, that whole kind of middle stretch, you know, the, the the second part of Act One and then all of Act Two was very um, lilting. Like the music was was fun and it was kind of. Uh, you could feel it was very much supposed to echo Mary as a character. And then towards the end, it kind of had that like thematic action, like, oh, and now everything is coming to a head. And I, I really dug that. So I think, if anything, I almost think sonically, this music was more, or the film was more successful on the music side than it was in any other aspect. And, and this is still hmm. with me saying the, the voice acting was phenomenal. I think the artistic... Um, execution was was great. As we said, the storyline had some opportunities, um, but I actually really enjoyed the music on this. I, I I was very impressed. Nice. What about you, B? What do you think? Talking about music? No, we're talking about <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Awesome. I enjoy peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> uh, no, uh, the music was beautiful, but I think um, you look or listen for to what you are, um, what you're inclined, I guess, to listen for. Right. Like you would immediately listen to music. I would look to vi- visuals. Right. Um, 
the person who wants to know have a great story told will you know look for the plot in the story right um i thought the music was beautiful it was lovely but that doesn't sell a movie for me right right so i enjoy the movie on its own but i think the music is lovely but i think most and i know this is own studio but i'm going to keep going back to studio ghibli i think they always do great with their music choices Mm -hmm. they're always beautiful and when it's action they you know they just know how to purvey it and when it's um more just forestry it's usually pretty quiet and i don't know i think they do a great job on music choices it won't sell a movie but it'll sell a soundtrack Truth, ah, hey, yeah, nice. It's true. What's your take, Jared? Uh, I gotta admit, I, I'm probably like Brittany in here, and I would have to see this film uh, another time or a couple times to sort of get a sense of the music. Remember, I was busy reading subtitles, so uh, <laughs> that was one other element I had to think of. But I, it, it didn't stand out to me particularly. I, I wouldn't say that it was uh, good or bad. Um, I agree. Like, I do like the soundtracks for these films, but it, I think it's going to have to settle in with me a little bit more. I think Mononoke was the only one where I really noticed the soundtrack uh, as I was watching the film, and that still is probably my uh, favorite soundtrack mm-hmm. of the of the Ghibli films. So, yeah, I don't think um, I, I couldn't say good or bad, other than the the pop song at the end was the only time I kind of perked up and like, oh, how hilarious. well josh actually doesn't believe that music exists in movies he still thinks it's a myth so i'll probably cover animation station podcasts uh take on the music i i agree with what liam said um (laughs) and uh i i thought they did a really good job with the music i i think that in an animated film music needs to be a part of the texture a part of the scenery you know, a part of the emotions of the film. But in an animated movie, I never want something as iconic as, let's say, well, let's continue. And let's say a John Williams Star Wars soundtrack, you know, mm-hmm. with those big. You guys in Star Wars, tunes. guys, this is an anime movie. Stop with the Star Wars. <laughs> There's plenty of animation in Star Wars. Uh, you know, I don't need those big type of, you know, iconic musical melodies in an animation. You know, unless it's a musical, but this is not a musical. So we just needed texture Mm -hmm. and emotion from the music. And I think they delivered that beautifully in this film. Uh, I enjoyed it. I I noted at several moments in the film how well the music was serving the moment. Mm. And I I think that's appropriate for an animation soundtrack. And I, I too did also perk up again with the pop song at the end. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought it was a neat song, but uh, I mean, let's be fair. It's, it's no, there's no Ponyo, you know, that, the, the little Ponyo pop song. That was song very poppy. Yeah. That, that that's was, awesome. <laughs> and now, and now that's in your head for the rest yes, of this. Yes, it episode. is. Thank <laughs> you. Earworm. So you could have been like, Mary, Mary, she's a little friendly witch. That would have been cool. We could have gotten that. Yeah, yeah. That would have been nice. Um, she's a friendly well, witch, but her mom's a... Wait, what? We can't even go <laughs> in um, I'll say, going off of what I thought of the music, um, I thought like when she had that cool chase scene, like when we had the two chase scenes, I thought the music was really good there. Um, when we had her and she was looking out over the village mm-hmm. and she was eating her sandwich and sharing it with Tib. Mm-hmm. They had the nice little music before, you know, it kind of 
you know, went off, and then, then we had, like, the little, the creepy-esque music when she's just going into the forest for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I did kind of listen to some of the music. Nice. Oh, uh, I, well, that was and about it. And they've got but, that nice. one sequence when she runs into uh, Peter in the village, and then they go kill that homeless person in the alley. Oh, <laughs> good thing. That music sequence, <laughs> that one was really crazy. That must have been Ridiculous. in the subtitle. We didn't get yeah. that part in the dub. I need to watch this movie again. Ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just inserting my own scenes now into the film. Nice. All right, so uh, I guess now we'll go around and let everybody give their final thoughts and rate the movie. You can choose your own rating scale um, out of five somethings. I do Dipper Pines. Gavin uh, do does Jiminy Cricket. Cloud City does Clouds. Mm. Well, which I've is changed your, mine. I do, I do up to five Mariamas. Okay, very good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, well, s- since you've got your scale already, why don't we start with you, Liam? <laughs> So, so for me, um, and as we kind of started out this episode uh, talking, that it's hard not to compare this to Studio Ghibli films. And as Brittany and I left the the, the theater, I'd, I'd asked her, I was like, okay, well, how would this rank in your in your Ghibli films? And she was like, you know, I, I thought it was good. It wouldn't crack into like my top five or anything like that. Um, so, so for me, I'm I'm comfortable giving it a, a three Mariamas. I think that it was it was enjoyable. Um, especially sonically and visually, and then obviously with a couple of plot point uh, uh, tweaks that I think could have been made. But keep in mind that this is the studio's first attempt uh, at making an animated film, so uh, I w- I'm excited to see how they grow and develop from here and what other stories that they decide to tell. So um, I think kind of a three is sort of that, you know, a little bit above that mid-average of like a 2.5. So. Mm-hmm. All right, so I I was going to give it a three, but since you gave it a three, and I know I like this movie more than you, I guess I have to give it a four, so Liam just pushed up my rating. But do you you feel like it was good enough to get a four? I do. Like, you think of movies that you've given a four to? I do. I honestly do, because I would go and I would see it again. I think we didn't see the same hmm. movie. I don't, I don't think so. I, I enjoyed this movie. Thank, we finally disagree I on know, something. It's oh. so nice. <laughs> we never disagree. No. Now let's do this on our show. I know. <laughs> no, but I would give it a four, um, 3.5, 4, but I know Josh hates those 3.5s. Thank so you. I'd rather round up <laughs> than round down. So cool. give it a four. Awesome. How about you, Jared? Uh, I'll give it three Liam heads. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Those are huge. Are like Can you fit three of them in like one review? Yes, it is just like a lemon head. <laughs> um, I think I, you know, I was entertained for this film. I wasn't like we said with the other films. I wasn't mad during this film, or you know, I wasn't scrutinizing it as much as we're doing here while I was watching it. I, I was entertained and. Um, so I, I would give it three. Like, it's worth seeing. Um, maybe you watch it at home or rent it or something like that. Um, I, I think uh, on a bigger picture, I am excited for what the studio is going to do. And I'm excited that if, if Ghibli is going to stop producing films or, or slow down or whatever the case may be, that there is another studio that can turn out similar stuff, um, then I'm all for that. So uh, from that perspective, I think it's a great start. Um, but... Uh, I think the next one maybe we can be a little harder on then. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. What about um, you, Gavin? I I agree with Jared for for this studio having this be their first 
film, mm-hmm. you know, they, they had to overcome, I'm sure, a ton of challenges. in. And they're going to have that stigma this. of, oh, it's just Jimmy Right, again. they're going to be under that shadow. And that being said, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, I, I, I wonder what it was like at Disney for those animators and animation directors to do that next film after Walt wasn't around anymore. Mm. And this is kind of similar because they left the, the people who were in charge of, of the direction and, you know, everything about these films and they're now doing it on their own. So I can imagine there was a lot of unsure, you know, feelings about what they were doing. That being said, I thought they did a pretty good job. Uh, I, I do want to mention one character which we never talked about, which was Little Broomstick. I love that character. Little Broomstick <laughs> was dope. Was awesome. Whenever she was like getting on Little Broomstick and she yeah. was like bouncing all over the place, yeah. I loved those. I, scenes. I thought it was great. That was and we fun. really didn't talk about Flanagan. No, nah, he was great. Flanagan though. was dope. The, there's no depth there. He was just great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I was entertained. Kind of again, like what Jared said. I, I didn't scrutinize it while I watched it. I was entertained. Thinking about it later is when I thought the plot through and, you know, started to find some of the uh, lacking elements in the plot. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think it is an entertaining film. I think it's beautiful. I think the music is great. I love a lot of the animation that's in it. Mm -hmm. And I I think that is key for me. I, I think they did a fantastic job animating it. And, you know, if they were to work on the story a little bit, I think this could be a great, great film. So I'm going to sit in kind of in the average here, I think, and I'm giving it a 3.5 Jiminy Crickets. Notice that Gavin had to be different and give it a point system. <laughs> they might have point systems too. They just chose whole numbers this time. Yeah, because that's what normal people do. So for me, I I really enjoyed this movie. Um, I got what I expected going into it. Um, I, I thought it was going to be a cute little story. I got a cute little story. Um, I got a new ship. I got my, uh, either my Mita <laughs> ship or my Perry, whichever one, or, or would it be, be, well, I guess it would be Meter. It could be Mater. No. Uh, it would be <laughs> no. Meter or Perry. Um, I, I like those. I mean, when you have a blonde and a redhead and they get together and have cute little strawberry blonde babies, it's going to be adorable. True. That's true. Um, that. it, it was funny. It was way funnier than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, because usually from, like, Ghibli films, they're not really funny. Like, there's, like, there's be some, there'll be a couple parts, but this I was like, it was actually funny. Like, there were some, like, uh, when she's imitating everybody, she's like, ah, I hurt my bum. Like, I thought that, like, all that fun stuff, I was like, this is actually pretty funny. They're actually doing a really good job with this. Um, So for that, I'm going to go with Brittany, and I'm going to give it four Dipper Pines. Nice. Nice. So we're all kind of in that same range, and I can't wait until we get a five five star rating out of Panache. I'm excited <laughs> to see what they're going to do. I think they've got a ton of potential, and I think we'll all be excited to see what they have in the future. So, do you think and it, do you think it takes something away from the fact that Miyazaki's now come back out of retirement to continue making films as he's going to do <laughs> no. an adaptation of How Do You Live? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think, yeah, at some point this was going to happen anyway. And, you know, I think they're off to a good start. Um, what I, I, I will say what I would like to see from them is because Ghibli had the whole thing of they do everything off of a book. I would like to see them do something original. 
Like yeah, something that's not been told. I agree. I would love for that to happen. Yeah. Well, so if we can get that, I would could, love for uh, that to be go around two. though, and, and if everyone can say what their favorite Ghibli film is, just to sort of get a sense of. Because, you know, like Gavin likes cars, so you know, like, okay, there's a problem there. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I agree 100%. Jared, you're, you want to be a full-time host on uh, Animation Station? I've uh, been replaced, just like that. Uh, I'll, go ahead and, I'll go ahead and kick this one off. My favorite Studio Ghibli is My Neighbor Totoro. Oh, wow. I love it. Cloud good, City. Good barometer for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Bimo, you say. Oh, okay. So mine's all mine's like Josh. Three way ties, man. It's so tough. <laughs> it's so so tough. Um, I love Ponyo because of just the the feelings it gives me. But when I think to animation and story, I'm more of a Totoro and um, Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. So it's those three are just so neck and neck. I just always go Ponyo because if I were to sit down and choose one of those, I choose Ponyo. No, it's Howl's Moving Castle. Like a hundred and ten percent. Just there's no. The other movies are great. Don't get me wrong, and I love Ponyo. I love uh, My Neighbor Totoro. Like they're all great films. But Howl's Moving Castle, man, that's like it's head and shoulders above. It's so visually stunning. The story is great. The the magical elements are bl- uh, blended seamlessly with like this weird steampunk moving castle. Like uh, I don't know. It's a hundred hundred percent easily best film that they've ever put out. Oh. <laughs> oh, I forgot to go. Yeah. Um, uh, mine's a, uh, I, I would say, Ty, I really, really love Spirited Away. It's You've it's up there, but though. it's Mononoke is my yeah. favorite. Yeah. Uh, just because it's got action, it's got a cool story, it's got a dude riding an elk, <laughs> it's Red got elk, an awesome cool. character in Ashitaka. Yeah. Uh, I said his name right, yep. so that's a that's a plus right there. Um, yeah, I mean, and San's super cool. And there's talking wolves. I mean, what else do you want? It's got freaking talking wolves. Yeah, that's that's an and opium. Mm-hmm. So win. <laughs> so what about you, Jared? So I think I'm uh, with Josh actually on this, which is surprising to me. Uh, Mononoke uh, is probably my <laughs> nice. favorite. It's Spirited Away is very close, um, a very close second, but Mononoke, I think it. I think it's all of the good stuff about uh, Ghibli and them doing it at their best. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I probably would have some, like, for some reason, Spirited Away, I love it. But for some reason, it always feels very long to me. Like, about, it's super <laughs> like, long. Like, when yeah. she's on that train in the water going, I'm like, boy, this, you know, we're not close to the resolution Yeah, yet. that just takes a long time. <laughs> I think it's like the third or fourth longest animated film ever made. It's, <laughs> it's up there on the list. It yeah. really is. So, That's why they gave it an Academy Award. They were like, right, right. Oh, all right, here. here. <laughs> For time, yeah. just just to be quiet. Here's your award. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So cool. Mononoke, well, that, yeah, that's not number one. That's See, awesome. Jared and I, I were, were I together. Got Gavin, pretty... you're off. I'm off. Yeah, you're done. Oh, yeah. I'm out. Yeah, you're out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, All right. thanks for guys. Thanks so much for coming on the Gavin's last episode. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was really fun. My Jared's work here is done. Yeah. yeah. It was fun until the end. Yeah. That's right. Well, Jer- I just think about to it. Put up quite a few many podcasts. He's always trying to. <laughs> you know, he's trying to recruit Brittany for a show for the sure. two of them. So I got rid of Manoa, didn't I? No. Yeah. You did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> 
I had a nice, feeling that was coming. Nicely done, sir. I didn't even I didn't even hear the setup for that one. That was great. He's actually just trying to recruit Remy. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm oh no, we've that. been trying to recruit Remy. I almost didn't Remy. think we were going to get Remy to come home with us after Disneyland. I was like, he's going home with Uncle Jared. So I'll see you when you're 18, kid. He could take him to Disney World. Right? Yeah, there Jared will take you to Disney nice. World. Tokyo, I carry Disney on. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Jared, where can everybody find you? Uh, jmariama.com is my website, uh, and then my handle is jmariama on everything else. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's all easy. And you have a show, correct? I Yeah, I do. I co-host the Squared Co podcast at, um, I don't know, that's all it's called, and you can find it on Stitcher and iTunes and all the podcasty places. So uh, we talk to a lot of artists and creatives, and uh, we're terrible because we're still early on. But uh, no, it's, we're true. having fun. So. <laughs> no, it's super good. Don't let them fool you. The, the show yeah. is a lot of fun, so definitely check it out. And can somebody that's artistic, <clears throat> Jared or uh, Gavin, could you do a Mariyama and the Witch's Flower? Like, <laughs> I that'd be amazing. If I was artistic, I would do it myself, but I can't. So, But now that's all I want is Mariyama and the Witch's Genius. Flower. Genius! Nice. Oh, you could do a. Yeah, you could do a. There's a, there's something about Mary. You know, just yeah. poster for this one instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I mean, a little little parody Josh poster. Josh is always giving me art assignments. Yeah, <laughs> and, then you, and then he never does any try. of them. So Liam and Brittany, where can everybody find you? Fresno. <laughs> Don't tell them that. <laughs> no, you could find me at Citizen of Disney. Uh, you can find me at Liam Bright. And as always, you can uh, check out our show at Cloud CityCast on Twitter and Instagram. Um, or you can email us directly, cloudcitycast at gmail.com. Sweet. And you can find all of their episodes on iTunes and Stitcher. You can find all our episodes in the deleted file <laughs> folder of everybody else that's on this episode. No, uh, you can check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. It's just Cloud City Cast. Sweet. Gavin. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Gavin Audison Art on the web, GavinAudisonArt.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Animation Station Podcast. On Facebook, Animation Station Podcast. On Tumblr at Animation Station Podcast. <laughs> on Twitter at Animate Podcast. You can also find all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and our website, animationstationpodcast.com All you have to do is click on that podcast tab and be sure and leave a awesome like and review or rate us and review us on iTunes Um, and definitely uh, rate and review Squared Co. and and, uh, Cloud Cloud CityCast. Exactly. Oh yeah, you can find Cloud CityCast uh, website geocities.com <laughs> Shout out to Their GeoCities. Page. Yeah. yeah, you check out our MySpace. Oh, now I'm going <laughs> to nice. do those things. I'm going to do it right now. I'm, I'm, now I want Amazing. that to be a thing. Uh, be sure and you can dig us, I guess. Can you still dig? Is dig still a website that you can go to <laughs> and know. dig things up? Is Maybe. He is looking up geocities.com Geo right cities now. Still. Who knows? I can buy geocities.com. <laughs> it's not a thing. <laughs> oh, well. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you guys for spending your evening with us and, and talking animation. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks of for course. having us. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. So time for sign-off. So everybody get your sign-off ready. <laughs> so for the Animation Station, I'm Josh. I'm Gavin. For Cloud City Cast, I'm Liam. I'm Brittany. And I'm Jared. <laughs> bye bye, little butterfly. I made you look. Try and Try make, make the, the world, world a better place. place. See you real soon.
Yeah. Nice. nice. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, oh. Uh. oh, Remy, what's your sign off? I'm, I'm, I'm baby Remy. <laughs> <laughs>